Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday. And it's a very snowy one. It is. Tens of millions of people in the path of a major winter storm. Good morning. It's February 13th. This is Today. States of emergency, that fast-moving system hammering the Northeast this morning. Nearly a foot of snow expected in some areas. The morning commute, treacherous. Schools closed all along the East Coast. More than 1,000 flights already canceled. Now's tracking all of it. Breaking overnight, family affair. Donald Trump looking to expand his influence on the Republican Party, pushing his own daughter-in-law for a key leadership position. We'll have the latest and what it could mean for the presidential race. Hate crime, disturbing new details on that frightening shooting inside Joel Osteen's megachurch. We do have some anti-Semitic writings that we have uncovered during this process. What the investigation is revealing and what we're now learning about the shooter. No love. Thousands of Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash drivers from coast to coast set for a massive Valentine's Day strike. Just ahead, the potential impact on your plans. All that plus, let's go. Mardi Gras celebrations kicking off in New Orleans with parades, parties, and plenty of people. Why it could be the biggest in decades where they're live. And touchdown. The Kansas City Chiefs arrive back home after the most watched Super Bowl ever and a wild celebration in Vegas. Taylor Swift hitting the clubs with Travis Kelsey and her parents. The new video she just posted and the team's plans for a second straight victory parade with more than a million people expected to join. Today, Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Welcome to today. Lots of reason to celebrate on a Tuesday morning. It's Fat Tuesday for Mardi Gras. Oh, yes, And also big celebrations are happening for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are back in Kansas City. And you know who's celebrating? Who? The NFL. Guess how many people watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? Tell me. 123 million people. And do you know what that is the biggest audience since? Since when? The moon landing. Yeah. Oh, my. So is you that the what? Swifty effect, or was it just I a think, great game? Or? I think it might have been, because two there are two teams who a lot of people like, but yes. a lot of people thought maybe it wasn't going to be one of the most exciting, and look what happened. Wow. Boom. All right. We'll All have right. more on the Chiefs' triumphant return, yeah, et cetera. We'll talk about that. But let's get to our top story, that major winter storm. Take a look. Snow is now falling. On the Statue of Liberty right here in New York. I'm on bird's eye view. And in all, nearly 50 million people are under winter alerts this morning. Some areas set to see nearly a foot of snow by the end of this fast-moving nor'easter. It is also bringing heavy winds, making power outages a major concern. We got everything covered, including Al's full forecast. But we are going to start with the snowy Ridgewood, New Jersey. And that's where we find NBC's Emily Aketa. Hey, Em, good morning. Hoda, Savannah, good morning to you. I can tell you the roads are already slick and they're only going to get worse. Parts of the Northeast could be buried by some 10 inches of snow. That's as much snow as people here in North Jersey have seen all season long. And throughout the morning, it's been a bit of a wintry mix. So you can see the consistency of the snow. It is wet and heavy, snarling travel, both on the roads and in the air. This morning, a hard-charging storm racing up the coast that could affect 46 million people in the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast. It is snowing. 
in Pennsylvania. The intense February nor'easter already blanketing snow in southern states like Tennessee overnight, set to dump up to a foot or more in parts of the northeast driving serious concerns about the morning commute, with officials in several states urging people to stay home. Uh, We have not had any significant snowfall for quite some time. You know, the time has come. You know, Mother Nature does what she wants to do. With tens of millions of Americans facing winter alerts, many schools across the region have canceled in-person classes. Overnight, downpours started transitioning to snowfall. Heavy wet snow is going to be really hard to shovel, and it's a little bit more exertion than the light, fluffy stuff. The Boston area, no stranger to severe winter weather, declaring a snow emergency with 850 pieces of snow clearing equipment at the ready. Make plans to be indoors, stay off the roads. It's looking like it will come down pretty heavily, pretty fast. Along with the snow, those on the coast are preparing for wind gusts 30 to 40 miles per hour that could cause major power outages and possible flooding this afternoon. If you live on the water, you're going to have to expect at least a storm once a year to like bring up surf, especially if it's a full moon. Today's wintry mess intensifying from a storm system that already hammered the southeast with hail and heavy rain. Floodwaters closing roads Monday and spilling into neighborhoods. Y'all be careful on these roads. Even causing this car to slide into a ditch. But now all eyes turn to the northeast, bracing for what could be the biggest blast of snow in two years. Use extreme care if you do need to go out. And already at this early hour, more than 1,000 flights have been canceled across the U.S. because of this winter weather. LaGuardia, JFK, Newark and Boston airports among the hardest hit. Now, one silver lining, this is a fast-moving storm. And while it is packing a punch with snowfall rates between one to three inches an hour, those near-high temperatures we saw over the weekend will help decrease the amount of snow that can accumulate on the ground. All right, Emily, a ketaforce there in Ridgewood, New Jersey. It looks like it's making its way our way. Yeah, we're starting to see some flakes out there. The snowfall rates are going to increase. And by the way, let the kids have a snow day. This this remote thing, stop. No remote learning. Give them the snow day. We had one. They should have one. Anyway, uh, we are looking at 46 million people under winter weather advisories, winter storm warnings from the Virginias all the way on up into New England. Boston right now under a winter weather advisory. We can see now the rain is changing over to snow as the system pulls in that colder air. Plus, we've got coastal flood advisories one to two feet above normal. High tides may even bring higher flooding stretching from Boston all the way down into the Delmarva Peninsula. So here we go. These are the impacts we're looking at. Washington, D.C., steady snowfall from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., windy up to 40 mile per hour wind gust. Philadelphia, 8 a.m. till noon with gusts of up to 35. Steady snowfall here in New York City till about 1 p.m. Gusts of up to 35 miles per hour. We head into New England, Providence, your heaviest snow from 7 to 3. Gusty winds of up to 35. And then Boston, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And again, those strong gusts. Snowfall amounts, the heaviest, going to be right pretty much along the coast and inland. Allentown, PA, about three to seven inches. Philly, one to three. New York City, we're still going to come for about three to seven inches of snow, depending on those one to two inch snowfall rates. Providence, four to eight. And Boston, about two to four inches. But it's been a while since we've seen this, two years. And so uh, we're ready for it. And we're ready to get those snow trucks out there and get Mm -hmm. that salt down, guys. All right. Snow day. 
like riding a bike, right? Come on. Oh, come on, let's go. <laughs> Turning to politics now with Donald Trump in firm control of the Republican presidential race. He is now looking to expand his influence on the party and calling for a change in leadership at the RNC. NBC's Garrett Haight covers the Trump campaign for us. Hi, Garrett. Good morning. What more do we know about this move and how it might impact the Republican Party? Well, Savannah, this would be a major shakeup. Overnight, former President Trump is pushing for three loyalists to head the Republican National Committee and replace Ronna McDaniel, who's faced a lot of pressure to step down. Mr. Trump is endorsing a top ally as party chairman, his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, as co-chair, and he would also make a senior campaign advisor into the party's chief operating officer. The idea here is that these moves would tighten Donald Trump's grip on the party and basically eliminate any daylight that exists between his campaign and the RNC. Now, Mr. Trump's last remaining primary rival, Nikki Haley, blasted this plan in a statement overnight, saying that Trump is, quote, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic and pointing out that under Trump, the party has lost election after election and the RNC is effectively broke. Now, the former president can't do any of this unilaterally. These moves will require an RNC vote, which now appears likely to take place after the South Carolina primary next week, Savannah. All right, Garrett, can we, let's talk about Capitol Hill. Uh, the Senate this morning, it has just passed a foreign aid bill for Ukraine and Israel. But the real question is, what happens in the House? Yeah, the Senate pulling an all-nighter to get this done, a bipartisan supermajority of senators passing a nearly $100 billion foreign aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. But despite getting 70 votes in the final count in the Senate, it faces a pretty rocky future in the House, where there are large swaths of Republicans who oppose giving any more money to Ukraine specifically. Overnight, Speaker Johnson reiterated his opposition to this bill for not including any border policy changes. But of course, this bill only came to Together after Republicans killed that bipartisan border deal tied to the foreign aid that they had originally demanded. All of this with Donald Trump playing a major role, loudly opposing the bill to avoid giving President Biden any kind of political win. Now, just this past weekend, Mr. Trump bragged about killing that bipartisan deal that some Republicans had said was the best shot at getting once in a generation border changes. The stakes on all of this are incredibly high, with Ukraine running out of ammunition on the battlefield. President Biden recently saying that not sending aid would be, quote, close to criminal neglect. Savannah, all eyes now on Speaker Johnson, who once again has to walk this tightrope with a divided Republican Party and an outspoken presidential candidate weighing in. All right. Garrett Hake with all the headlines on politics. Thank you. We are now learning more about the gunman who opened fire inside Pastor Joel Osteen's Houston megachurch on Sunday. Investigators say they have uncovered anti-Semitic material at her home. NBC's Morgan Chesky's got the very latest for us this morning. Hey, Morgan, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. And it's that anti-Semitic material combined with the fact authorities say they saw the word Palestine written on the shooter's rifle which has them saying that they are not ruling out terrorism or a hate crime as a potential motivating cause here. And this is happening as we've learned that the shooter's seven-year-old son remains in critical condition after police say she brought him inside the church when she started to open fire. More than 24 hours after a gunfire rang out through Houston's Lakewood megachurch, investigators are painting a troubling picture of the woman they say opened fire. Houston police identifying the deceased shooter as 36-year-old Genesee Yvonne Moreno, telling NBC News she was carrying an AR-15 with the word Palestine written on it. A search of Moreno's home yielding ingredients to make explosives and written material with a very clear message. We do have some anti-Semitic writings 
that we have uncovered during this process. Law enforcement records show Moreno had at least six prior arrests since 2005, including weapons charges. In 2016, authorities also placed Moreno under an emergency detention order. She does have a mental health history that is documented. Police say a dispute with her ex-husband's family, some of whom are Jewish, may also be related to the shooting. Witnesses say Moreno was wearing a trench coat and backpack when she walked inside the church. Her seven-year-old son next to her when she and two off-duty officers began exchanging gunfire. Moreno was killed, the seven-year-old boy critically injured. The off-duty officers credited with saving countless lives. They held their ground in the face of rifle fire at point-blank range. Inside the nearby sanctuary, hundreds of frantic churchgoers tried to escape. Paula Laverde says her boyfriend told her to ditch her high heels so they could run faster. You never think it's going to happen to you or your family until it happens to you or your family. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, we keep hearing those exact sentiments over and over again at these kinds of shootings. But we are also hearing from the shooter's neighbors on their encounters with her. What are they telling you? Yeah, Hoda, we are. We heard from a neighbor yesterday who refused to go on camera, but did say definitively that there have been red flags in place for months in their neighborhood, adding she even had a restraining order filed against Moreno as recently as this past fall. In the meantime, the only churchgoer wounded in this shooting has been released from the hospital. He's identified as a man in his 50s who was shot in the leg. And Houston police assuring this entire community that they are increasing patrols at all places of worship across the metro area. And despite all those red flags, she was able to get a weapon somehow. All right, uh, Morgan, thank you so much. Also this morning, the U.S. is negotiating a deal for hostages that would lead to a weeks-long pause in the Israel-Hamas war. But even amid the ongoing talks, Israeli forces are expanding their offensive in Gaza. NBC's Molly Hunter joins us from Jerusalem this morning. Molly, good morning. Savannah, good morning. Lots of high-level diplomatic activity that we're watching. CIA Director Bill Burns, his Israeli counterpart, and other regional officials are in Cairo looking to hammer out a hostage and a ceasefire deal. And while that hostage rescue was very good news for two families here, the remaining families of hostages are clear. It is no replacement for a deal. This morning, Israeli hostages Fernando Marman and Louis Har home with their families. This reunion, these hugs, 129 days in the making. It was uh, very emotional to see them, to hug them, to feel them. Uh, It feels almost unreal. And today, the United States pushing urgent high-level diplomacy in Cairo. CIA Director Bill Burns and Israel Spy Chief David Barnia meeting today, according to an Israeli official, to try and close the significant gaps in deal talks. More than 100 hostages remain in Gaza after Monday's risky operation in Rafah. Israeli military videos showing commandos racing into a civilian building. The two Israeli hostages on the second floor guarded by three Hamas gunmen. A minute later, a heavy wave of Israeli airstrikes providing cover, destroying the neighborhood, killing dozens of Palestinian civilians, according to Gaza health officials. The hostages then taken by helicopter to a hospital near Tel Aviv. Do you want a blanket? No, Har says. It is warm in my heart. 
Hours later, President Biden meeting with Jordanian King Abdullah at the White House. Biden framing the deal as a six-week ceasefire, allowing both sides to agree on a more enduring deal, but also ramping up pressure on Israel as the death toll in Gaza continues to rise. Too many, too many of the over 27,000 Palestinians killed in this conflict have been innocent civilians and children. But Prime Minister Netanyahu argues to root out the final Hamas battalions, raising the city of Rafah, is mission critical. For months, the Israeli military has told Palestinians the South would be safe. Seen in October, now packed with 1.4 million displaced Palestinians. Where can we go? Mahmoud al-Tamni asks. God knows there is no safe place. And you just heard from that man, Savannah, there are there is growing panic in Rafah that the Israeli military may move in before a deal is struck. But the Israeli military tells my colleague Raf Sanchez that no evacuation plan has been drawn up yet for the 1.4 million Palestinians already displaced in Rafah. Savannah. All right. Molly Hunter in Jerusalem. Thank you, Molly. Astonishing new dash cam video has emerged showing that deadly plane crash Friday on a Florida highway. So the plane it comes out of the left upper corner of the screen. It flies over several lanes of traffic and it tries to make an emergency landing in the far right lane, but it crashes into a vehicle, killing two of the five people on board. Officials say the pilot had radioed that he lost both engines and was trying to make it to the nearest airport. The NTSB is leading the crash mm-hmm. investigation. And out of the cold waters of Lake Superior, where ship, shipwreck hunters have found the wreck of the SS Arlington, a commercial ship that sank in 1940. It was located 35 miles off northern Michigan in 600 feet of water. The Arlington, nearly as long as a football field, was fully loaded with grain when it went down in a storm and thick fog. The crew was rescued by a nearby ship. 717, let's take a look at the weather. A real busy day today. Uh, Yes, it is here, especially in the northeast on into New England. But the rest of the country, fairly quiet. A little light snow in the central Great Lakes. We are looking at plenty of sunshine through the Gulf, mild in the plains. Here comes another clipper coming out of Alberta, bringing a quick hit of snow across the northern plains. Plenty of sunshine out west. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Thank you, Al. Just ahead, there's a strike in the works that could threaten your plans for Valentine's Day. Maggie Vespa with the story. Hi, Maggie. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, if your Valentine's Day plans involve hailing an Uber or a Lyft or maybe just a quiet night in with DoorDash delivered, a quick heads up that drivers say they're fed up and planning to strike nationwide. We'll have the details coming up. All right, Maggie. And then we got two towns that are in full-on party mode. The Chiefs are gearing up for their second straight Super Bowl party. And it's Fat Tuesday in uh, New Orleans. So happy Mardi Gras. We're live in Kansas City and New Orleans. But first, this is Today on NBC. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey. 
empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We're back, 7.30, live look at New Orleans. It is Fat Tuesday. The Mardi Gras floats, they're ready to go. In fact, some say this year's celebrations are bigger than ever. We're going to take you there live in just a bit. Chanel is here. You know, our plaza is closed today because of the weather. But there was a lady out there. They're from New Orleans. A few. We brought them in. They brought Mardi Gras beads, beads so for nice. us. We'll get Isn't you some. We got, yes. we got she said she had a whole stuff for really? everybody. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All so. right. All right. We do have a lot to cover this half hour, including a looming problem for your Valentine's Day. Yes. Plans. Thousands of ride sharing and delivery drivers are set to go on strike tomorrow. NBC's Maggie Vespa is in Chicago with that story. Maggie, good morning. Hey, Chanel, good morning. Yeah, we're talking all the major players in the rideshare industry, including Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash. So if you're planning on getting your romantic Valentine's Day meal delivered, this impacts you too. Big organized rallies are promised in several cities tomorrow across the country, including here in Chicago. But organizers really want this to make a splash on the holiday. So they're calling on all drivers to strike nationwide. This morning, Americans looking to head out or order in on Valentine's Day may not be feeling the love, with delivery and rideshare drivers from Uber to Lyft to DoorDash set to strike tomorrow. We are going to strike on February 14th. Yes, Valentine's Day, but we are not showing any love for Uber that day. A coalition representing rideshare workers calling for massive strikes. One representative saying thousands of drivers nationwide could call out. And it's not just your commute that could be affected. With a major storm on the East Coast, many Americans may be planning to order in for a wintry Valentine's Day. But the strike also reaching delivery drivers. Drivers, Uber Eats, DoorDashers, I'm here to remind you guys that do not drive on that day. Stay home. It's the first major strike since Uber and Lyft went public five years ago. What do we want? There could be chaos for those planning a Valentine's Day getaway, too, with organizers calling for rallies and for drivers to turn down airport trips in major cities across the country, from Philadelphia to Chicago to Austin. The Justice for App Workers group writing, we're sick of working 80 hours a week just to make ends meet, being constantly scared for our safety and worrying about being deactivated with the click of a button. It comes a week after Lyft said it would guarantee weekly earnings for drivers, a first in the ride-hailing industry. Lyft now saying we are constantly working to improve the driver experience. Uber has said that drivers earn about $33 an hour when they are being used and says only a minority of its drivers participate in such strikes. But with the nationwide rallies and strikes planned tomorrow, you may want to get a home-cooked meal ready as a backup for those Valentine's Day plans. 
Yeah, it's good to have a plan B. It's worth noting we've also reached out to uh, Uber and DoorDash. We haven't yet heard back. It's also worth noting that we have seen strikes from these industries, this industry in the past, including an attempted boycott in New York City and a global day of strikes in 2019. But a lot of drivers, Chanel, didn't participate. Organizers are hoping that this one is going to be much bigger. Yes, we'll see what happens. Maggie, this isn't the only strike we're monitoring. Airports are also facing demonstrations today. What can you tell us? Yeah, exactly. That one's today. The Association of Flight Attendants say that we could see strikes at 30 airports across the country. Uh, workers there demanding basically fairer contracts, they say, and better pay. And they say airlines that could be impacted include Alaska, United, Southwest, and American. It's not what we need. There's always a trickle-down effect when they do that. All right, Maggie, thank you. All right, still ahead, another impact on Valentine's Day. We're talking about high prices on everything from flowers to food. So how can you save and still impress your sweetheart? Vicki Wynn will show us how. Poetry, obviously. <laughs> Write a beautiful poem. There you go. But first, this year's Super Bowl victory parade set to be twice as nice in Kansas City. Our Jesse Kirsch right there. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Savannah, good morning. The stage is literally set for a parade that could be beyond football fans and Swifties' wildest dreams. What's next for the Super Bowl champs coming up? He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy has done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, consoling. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. All right, we are back at 738 with two towns in party mode. You know what those two towns are. The Chiefs went back to Kansas City. They became back-to-back Super Bowl champs. They're gearing up for tomorrow's victory parade. And then speaking of parade, guys, it's Fat Tuesday down in New Orleans. This is a way of life. We're going to get to that in a moment. But first, NBC's Jesse Kirsch and KC. Hi, Jesse. Good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. The banners are already up for the champions here, and schools have canceled classes ahead of tomorrow's massive parade. Officials expect up to a million people to be out here. And the question is, will Taylor Swift be one of them? With a hero's welcome at the airport, the Super Bowl champs are back in Kansas City. The Chiefs' victory lap leading to a Disneyland parade Monday after becoming the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in almost 20 years. And Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes is already talking about going for a three-peat. Well, we'll celebrate these next few weeks and then we'll get right back at it. And Chiefs fans are celebrating him after the star QB took control at the end of the game. New video emerging of Mahomes' leadership during that final play in overtime. Church by Bunch, F, 
subtle commentary right yellow the team overcome with emotion i want to take the credit but honestly it was it was everybody um it was i was i knew it was going to turn around but the way the guys worked and millions watched that work pay off the game setting a massive ratings record according to cbs with 123.4 million viewers the most watched broadcast since the moon landing of course, some of that could have been the Taylor Swift effect. The pop superstar was in the stands and on the field to support her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. Later, the duo hitting the Las Vegas Strip with her family in tow. Overnight, the singer posting a hilarious TikTok about her parents joining the fun. Swifties noting it's her first official social media post featuring Kelsey and swooning over more videos of the two celebrating after the game, kissing as love story played, and a memorable moment. Travis leading a sing-along of You Belong With Me. Now the question is, will fans see the power couple together tomorrow in Kansas City? The Super Bowl champs are already preparing to parade through the streets and rally with fans. Last year, Mama Kelsey joined Travis at the Super Bowl celebration. But with this year's parade falling on Valentine's Day, many fans wondering if Travis will be bringing a date. So that's the question, and here's some serious Swifty math for you. If Taylor is at the parade, she can't stay very long because she has an Eras Tour show Friday night in Melbourne, Australia, and Melbourne is 17 hours ahead of Kansas City, so she won't be able to get much rest in between both of those big parties. So we are not out of the woods yet, but I got to say, guys, if we don't see trailer together here oh, in Kansas no. City, trailer, it's trailer. going to feel like there's a We're bit of a Swelsea. blank space Swelsea. here. Well, yeah, look at Swelsea. I know. Swelsea. We're trying, we've been trying to make like Swelsea, Swelsea happy. Sorry, Swelsea over trailer. But listen, we drank every time you did a Taylor lyric, and that was so, it was coffee, <laughs> was though. So okay. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. All right, now let's welcome the return of... Marty, Marty Bro, got your beads. Beads. No, I need some beads. Right. We need some beads here. All right. It may just be a regular old Tuesday for most of the country in New Orleans. It is Fat Tuesday. It signals the start of the biggest party of the year. By the way, it's been going on for two weeks. This is kind of the culmination. Sam is covered with beads. He's down in the big, big easy. Hey, Sam, morning. I have about 50 beads here for you guys. Actually, some more that you can't see on camera as well. Figured that should be enough. But yes, of course, excitement right now permeating the city of New Orleans. I'm standing in front of Rex Floats. Rex being the king of carnival. This is the oldest parading organization for Mardi Gras. More than 150 years old, guys. We're talking about 29 different floats, 450 riders, and a lot of the traditions that are so time-honored and connected with Mardi Gras. Everything from the colors purple, gold, and green to the doubloons. Of course, we can have our king cake and eat it too, as right now Mardi Gras is preparing for one of the most epic events they have seen in decades. This morning, New Orleans' message is loud and clear. Mardi Gras is back and better than ever. There's nothing like being in New Orleans, and there's nothing like being in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. A whirlwind month of carnival season celebrations leading up to today's Fat Tuesday festivities, with hundreds of thousands of people expected to fill the streets of New Orleans, a triumphant return to post-pandemic crowds. It does feel like it's back, and... People are having so much fun. Locals celebrating time-honored traditions. We cook, we have gumbo, we have jambalaya, we have pastalaya, and everybody shares. And everybody looks out for everybody. Alongside tourists experiencing their first Mardi Gras. I'm 84 years old. It's my very first ever Mardi Gras. I like that music and I like that energy. So I'm excited.
It's all expected to boost the New Orleans economy by $900 million, a staggering 300% growth for the Mardi Gras season since 2009. We know that the hotels were virtually sold out this past weekend. We're hearing from our restaurants that they've been absolutely packed. We know at one point the French Quarter had to close to vehicle traffic because there were so many people. On Monday night, Parades like the crew of Orpheus kicking off with Harry Connick Jr. on hand, a procession of colorful floats, music, and of course, lots of beads. Neil Patrick Harris serving as this year's celebrity monarch, a role once held by former New Orleans residents, our own Hoda Kotb. As big as this year's Mardi Gras promises to be, the city is gearing up for an even busier 2025 when it's set to host the Super Bowl just weeks before Mardi Gras. We'd like to say that New Orleans is built to host. We know how to do Mardi Gras. It's also what we believe makes us a great city for the Super Bowl. A city trumpeting its culture and sense of community like only the Big Easy can. It's kind of like the one time in the year where everybody, no matter where they're from, what part of New Orleans, they're all coming together having a great time. And you know what's so cool, Sam, about Mardi Gras? It's like, it's it's a family thing. You think it's like a drunky monkey, yeah. it's crazy. It's actually a real family really? affair, which I love so much. So you're at the beginning of the parade. So what's happening where you are? I'm so happy you used that word, Hoda, because you talk to organizers here and they say this is about families first and foremost. When they go down St. Charles Street later today, you're going to be seeing all these families lined up. It starts at 1030 in the morning. We're talking about the Rex Parade now. It's about four hours long. Five miles right down St. Charles, which has these majestic oak trees and mansions and the oldest streetcar in America. And, of course, all the floats that we were talking about, Hoda and Savannah. And what's so interesting about this, you have six iconic floats, but 20 others that are changed every single year to reflect narratives and mythologies and parts of the city's history. This right here is my personal favorite, the Cuisine Creole. And why is that my favorite? Of course, because you have crab and flounder, but gumbo on the other side of this as well. They are meant to be enlightening and enriching and to really make people feel good about New Orleans history. That is what this is all about. And the action all starts in just a matter of hours. Wow. You know what? You got it. Everyone's got to go to Mardi Gras. I'm going to invite you to come to Mardi Gras. Okay. Because Savannah hasn't been there. She's not never been. been. Never been. Al's been. Uh, but we, we all got to go. We got to okay. get a we'll whole thing. Trip. It's very cool. All right, Sam, thanks. And we're going to celebrate some more. A little later, we're going to share some Mardi Gras-inspired recipes you can whip up tonight. Nice. Okay, let's get okay. a check of the weather from Mr. Roker. I was on a float with Hoda one year. Oh, yeah. my gosh. She was the queen of New Orleans. Was it a family had, affair? Oh, we had some fun. Well, it depends on your family. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never heard the turn drunky monkey before. <laughs> yeah, <you know laughs> Good. All right. So again, we got that storm going on here in the Northeast and you look out our window and man, it is really coming down now. We're starting to see that one to two inch uh, per hour. Could even hear a little thunder snow before this is over. Meantime, we got a quick hitting storm. Uh, Alberta cl- uh, Clipper coming across the Northern Plains with some light snow, slick roads from Rapid City to Minneapolis, then a mixture of rain and snow into the Northeast at the time we get into Thursday. And then the next system starts coming in from the High Plains. But it feels like spring today. Minneapolis, you're going to be near 40 degrees. Kansas City, near 60. Oklahoma City, temperatures in the upper 50s. And tomorrow, that warmth goes all the way down to Atlanta at 62. Kansas City, same temperature. Minneapolis, 14 degrees above average at 41. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thanks, Al. Thank you, Al. Coming up, a new look behind the scenes at one of the Super Bowl's most memorable commercials. Way do you see the fun that Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Tom Brady had in the parking lot? Oh, I want to see that. Coming up on Popstar, we've got the overnight highlights 
Our friend John Stewart is back on The Daily Show. Yes. What a great comeback that was. We'll give some highlights from that. Plus, sweet deals to help with the soaring cost of Valentine's. Where to find last-minute bargains to treat your special someone to an unforgettable day.